happy, happy, happy Wednesday, September 30th. It's almost the last day of the, the month, I, I believe. I don't know if there's a September 31st, not even thinking that far in advance. But welcome back to another episode of Guy Live B2B Jam Session. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hopefully you're having a lovely Wednesday afternoon for some of you. For others, it's evening. Show us some love where you're tuning in from. If you're tuning in from Oakland, as always, please show us some love. I want to give you a lovely, lovely shout out and ask you, what are you doing this lovely Wednesday morning? Have you checked in on the kids? Are you working from home? Let us know. What are you doing? How's your day going? We'll show you some love. In addition to that, if you're tuning in internationally, what's going on in your neck of the woods? How's everything going? Yesterday, there were the debates in the U.S., and that was quite the interesting moment for everyone in the U.S. Uh, never have we been more proud to be American. With that said, I want to show love to my amazing guest who's going to be with me today, Mr. Jonathan Brickman. Jonathan Brickman, he's the Chief Revenue Officer and CEO at Intelli IntelPixel, which is your dedicated source to procure medical image data. And man, let me tell you, this guy has been making revenue and growing SaaS businesses for a while. He's been helping them with their go-to-market and scaling them to $25 million, million dollars, that's $25 million in revenue for years now. He's an angel investor, growth advisor, and really a thought partner to any SaaS CEO who's trying to build something and change the world. And I'm so excited to him with him to like really dive deep today on a bit about social media, authenticity, but also you know, what does he do as an executive officer and chief revenue officer? And what are his thoughts on the future of the SaaS landscape? And what is he excited about as an entrepreneur and entrepreneur about what's changing in the world of tech and the future of work? It's going to be an amazing conversation. He's an amazing guy with great energy. And I hope you have questions because I have a lot of questions. But definitely join us in the conversation. Have some fun with this. With that said, what's up, Jonathan? Hey, how you doing? Thank you. I, I'm doing well, man. I'm just happy I'm alive after that, after that debate yesterday, man. Oh, boy. <laughs> that, that, let me tell you, that was a tough one. And, uh, you know, it's funny. I was saying to you know, people around, I said, you know, I've been in some of those heated conversations over the years. And I always thought that the best strategy was absorb the blow. You know, just absorb <laughs> it and take it in a little bit before you punch back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's right. true. You know, I, I was watching Twitter. Twitter. Um, you know, I love watching Twitter as I as I watch things, and especially the debate. And you were you were seeing people compare it to a bar fight. I was like, oh my god, this is hilarious. <laughs> They're like, I've seen bar fights that <laughs> they wouldn't have lasted that long. If it was a bar fight, it would have been over quickly because somebody would have hit somebody <laughs> over the head with a bottle. <laughs> right, right. At well, least your eyes were up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right, John. I would love for you to share a little bit more about uh, your background and you know the things you've been doing. You know, you lead Intel Pixel, but I want you to like go back before Intel Pixel. You know, how long have you been doing the work that you do in working and supporting SaaS businesses? But how did you get into this world of technology in general? Yeah, no. Listen, um, I hope you get a lot of time here because it's it's a it's a long and crooked path. Yeah. <laughs> No, I mean, I, I uh, listen. I didn't start out this way, um, as I like to say. It is really a crooked path, but maybe that's the way most people sort of make their way through life. I mean, yeah. I originally started off as an engineer. I was I was a civil engineer when I first graduated from school a long time ago, and uh, I, I could tell early on I wasn't really the kind of guy that wanted to sit behind a desk and you know crunch numbers. And I immediately got attracted to the business side of things. And I weighed, I made my way into the real estate business and uh, still was still too much behind the scenes. But I got my first taste of, of deal making um, 
you know, probably in the in the mid '90s, and I worked on a big, big transaction, and you know, it took about a year and was a I don't know, it was probably about a hundred million dollar transaction, and wow. the broker made a lot of money on that deal, and we like me myself and the attorney who worked on that got a pat in the back and had a boy, and not much else besides that, and, and the light bulb went off, and I realized I need to be between the money. I mean. Mm. And so I really pivoted. I shifted. Um, they were building out an office for me and they were going to give me a fancy new title. And I quit. Wow. <laughs> and they said, where are you going? I said, I'm not sure, but I'm not doing this anymore because I'm working 67 hours a week and uh, I'm not getting rewarded for all the things that I'm doing. And mm. it really was a it was an epiphany for me. And that started my journey into uh, into what I say living by my wits, and, mm. and and trying to figure out how can I you know move people with my my ideas and you know create uh, deals, mm. and, and that was the beginning. That's amazing, man! It, it, it's so funny because we all have this very kind of like dynamic background on how we you know get to what we do. For me, I got into tech and doing what I'm doing now, you know, building software from design. Right. For you, did you ever realize there were any parallels between engineering and deal making uh, before you started really kind of uh, becoming a deal maker? No, I didn't. But it's fine. When I go back and do a retrospective on that, I can absolutely see where it was like a great foundation. Yeah. And, and particularly, there's, you know, I'm sure you know who he is, Keenan on uh, LinkedIn. I'm giving him, he, he should be paying me royalties because I mentioned his name. <laughs> <laughs> But the way he thinks about it, it's a very sort of, you know, engineered approach to the way you dissect mm. a problem. Um, and in order to actually sell something, you, you really got to get the other side to articulate, you know, what they're doing, you know, mm. where they are and where they want to go and the problems that they're really experiencing. So you, you have to be able to diagnose somebody very well. And that's very much an engineering approach, right? Mm. You, you got you to gotta break things down into pieces and figure out what the problems are before you can come up with a design or an engineering solution. And, yeah. and that, that's always been the way I've approached uh, business and sales. So, yeah, I, yeah. I, I very much lean on my engineering background. Yeah. So tell us, you know, there's somebody out there right now that's trying to build a, an amazing billion dollar business, million dollar business. They don't have the same sales tactics as you or mindset. What do entrepreneurs or founders, you know, CEOs, what, what do they, what do they need to realize about sales that they aren't thinking about right now in their business? And what are some tactics for them to really kind of rev up their, their sales engine? Yeah. So it's, it's interesting. I mean, you know, I, I've worked, I've, I've had the, um, the good fortune to work over the last 10 years with lots and lots of early stage businesses. Mm. And the one thing I do see in common is most of them sort of wait. They focus on the product and the solution before they think about like, how am I going to actually, you know, sell the, sell this thing and monetize it. And it's almost consistent, you know, because most things are started by, you know, either academics or technologists or people that, you know, came up with some idea and a problem, but they don't really, they're not really sales people, most mm -hmm. of them. And uh, so that kind of lags in their approach. Um, so, so I guess my suggestion is number one, before you start a business, make sure that you really are solving a problem as, as opposed to looking for a problem to solve with yeah. your solution. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's pretty 
basic and fundamental. But um, I think a lot of people get ahead of themselves um, in, in that process without really, really validating that there really is a problem in the market they're trying to fix. Wow. Right? That's actually really powerful because for me personally, I learned sales the hard way by doing it <laughs> and like learning and failing and getting feedback and, and, and really realizing that, you know, especially when building a business, there's a, a lot of ways you can take advantage of a sales motion, whether it be bottoms up growth or a direct sales motion or really forming channel partners. But there's a lot of learnings as an entrepreneur by doing that you gain out of it. And you're right. I've talked to a lot of entre entrepreneurs and founders who don't often realize that they often don't realize that a product has to be matched with the sales motion, especially if you want to be successful. Oh yeah. No, I mean, listen, I didn't, I didn't, you know, I didn't, I wasn't one of these guys that, you know, attended Sandler training and <laughs> I mean, I didn't do, I learned it. I learned it by just doing myself yeah. too. Uh, in, in fact, I really did literally learn. I remember the first, uh, endeavor i had it we were like selling paper directories believe it or not that's how far back we go wow and uh and i remember you know we would sell it we, we had an idea that we were collecting all this information and we would sell the directory and we gave them a money back guarantee so guess what happened that we'd sell the directory for whatever at the time it was you know 895 or something they returned the book with all the pages ripped out <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, you know, so I mean that, you know, those are like, you know, those are real stories you kind of learn from. It's like, okay, I guess that didn't work. Yeah. And, uh, and then you learn what it's like to actually like, you know, uh, build a recurring revenue business and have retention and, uh, you know, keep clients for life as opposed to, you know, being, you know, project oriented or having these one-off transactions. Right. Hmm. You know, it's one thing to like be a broker and sort of, you know, sell things off the back of the truck. It's another thing to like, figure out like, how do I create something that's going to be sustainable? Hmm. You know, I'm going to have clients that are, I'm going to, that are going to stay with me so I can actually create, you know, build a business. Wow. Yeah. And enduring movement and, and business and brand around whatever your product is. And that's such a, a powerful takeaway. Jonathan, I want to ask you, cause you talk a lot about, you know, one of the things you, you mentioned that really you care about is authenticity and really like the power of social media when it comes to selling and, and building a rapport. You know, let's talk a little bit about that. You know, why do you think so many social media platforms right now are filled with people who aren't authentic and, and really kind of showing up as their authentic selves? Yeah, no, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's a double-edged sword. I mean, the fact that anybody can go out there and publish and have a voice and share their ideas, I think is great. But there really aren't any guardrails, right? So that's yeah. the other side of it. It's it's uh, you got a lot of noise in, in the channel, and a lot of people that you know sort of bang their chest and say that they're a thought leader. When if you really look deep, you realize they haven't been doing this very long, and they yeah. really don't have the credentials or the chops to to make that kind of statement. So uh, that's the double-edged sword, and and to figure out like you know who really are the right people that I want to connect with and align with and, and, and make part of my network. I, yeah, so I, so I, I watch the gamesmanship on platforms like LinkedIn and, yeah. you know, mostly LinkedIn because that's the real business to business platform. And uh, I, I, I like to say that there's a, there are a lot of false messiahs out there, right? Yeah. They're just making statements that really are not credible. And I find that frustrating. So I always try to be authentic in, in whatever I do. Yeah. Um, 
And if I'm going to, if I'm going to add value on that platform, I'm going to do it based, you know, grounded in experience mm. and where I think I can actually help and add value as opposed to just making a bunch of noise and being a self promoter. Yeah. And that's so important. And one of the things that, you know, I think is really important too to sales, uh, social selling is authenticity, really being able to like show people that you're out you're themselves because that also tracks back to whoever, whatever company you're representing or even whatever product you're, you're selling. And there's so many ways to, to show up authentic on social media. Oh yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, you're, you're, I mean, this truly is like a crowdsourced platform. Now, if, mm. if your, um, if your ecosystem, if um, your community doesn't validate, you know, what you're doing, you're, you're in trouble, right? I mean, you know, people, the, the whole, the whole sales process, which is now called the buying process is flipped, right? Yeah. I mean, the consumer can now go out there and do a whole lot of research and fact finding about you online before they even engage mm. so right so if your st story isn't good and it's not credible and it's not validated you, you never even get an at bat mm. so you know being authentic to me is is really critical yeah so you know COVID-19 has completely changed the world and how uh, <laughs> billions or I'm sorry millions of businesses do business you know what are your thoughts on how COVID-19 has changed the way companies have to position themselves to gain customers and, and build rapport with their customers. Yeah, it's funny because for me, it hasn't really changed very much at mm -hmm. all. The way Dive I deep on that. Huh? Dive deep on that for us. What do you mean? I mean yeah, I mean, I, listen, for, I mean, for years, I mean, I've been sort of trying to leverage, um, you know, video conferencing, mm -hmm. you know, um, online tools, um, you know, anything that allow people to communicate remotely instead of like, you know, traveling from DC or, you know, I live in South Florida now to go to New York for an hour meeting. I mean, it's just a, it's a waste of time. <laughs> it's like, so, so I've always realized that. And I, I, I've tried to like leverage these, um, these virtual platforms for a long time that, that are really functional and efficient mm. as, as opposed to, you know, you know, spending, you know, 2,500 bucks in two days to have, you know, a couple of meetings. It's, it never seemed to, to be a good use of time anyway. And, and, I, and I would make these trips sparingly only if I felt like there was, there was a lot of impact. So it hasn't changed much for me. I mean, a lot of these other industries that are used to doing things in person, you know, particularly more B2C kind of stuff, that's been a huge disruption, right? They've really had to adjust to, you know, direct to consumer platforms because someone can't walk into the store anymore. And, and transact, right? So th that's been a huge disru disruption for those kind of businesses. But B2B, where you're selling a SaaS solution um, and you can demo a platform online, mm. I don't see that much of a change, really. Except it's that COVID slowed pe people down. We're, we're, you know, maybe, maybe they don't have the revenue to support some of these things, but in terms of the way they operate, not much of a change. Mm, mm. So you see a lot of B2B businesses, you know, maybe they have to reposition their value proposition, but in terms of how their sales motion was, you know, you could still have done demos online. You, if you were using yeah. sales tools, your, your salespeople should have been equipped to kind of really adapt to this pretty frictionlessly. Right. I think so. Yeah, absolutely. For me. So I don't, I don't see really any change there. I mean, I still would like to go out and see people in person you know, when it, when it made sense. So, so you can't really do that anymore. Although I have to tell you about two weeks ago, 
I did, I did have my, uh, my first like real in-person meeting yeah. at, a, at a local place, which was kind of fun. And every, everybody was masked up and, and you can, I mean, that's always better if you can do that. Um, you know, the, uh, you know, real engagement with other people yeah. in, in person is, is always the best. Uh, you know, this kind of interaction is the second best, but you know, you know, I, I look forward to when we can actually get back together in person, whether it's at a conference or, you know, a, a real important meeting where, where there's a lot of things at stake, but yeah. yeah. But otherwise, you know, to me, for me, business as usual, really. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. I love that, Jonathan. I, I, I think, I think you have a really powerful point there because, you know, one of the things that I've noticed is that there is a lot of companies that were formed around this time as well, taking advantage of all the problems at bay and many of these like new startups that are forming around the future of work or in the healthcare industry or like new productivity tools they all are kind of taking advantage of bottoms up growth but also have a, a direct sales motion so like you're seeing all of these new companies form and because of covid they're thinking about a completely new different way to to gain customers you know i would ask you jonathan you know given where the world is going uh, you know, what are some of the biggest problems you think any entrepreneur um, should be thinking about solving right now? And also, you know, what problems excite you that you're like, oh, no one's solving for it? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm involved with a uh, with a bunch of different businesses, but one in particular that is really attacking like real problems um, that are, you know, meaningful today is a healthcare business, right? Yeah. So, uh it's interesting to see the way um, people are applying artificial intelligence to try to solve healthcare problems at scale and, and make people much, much more effective. Mm. Um, and, and there are many applications of that. You know, radiology is a good example, right? Where instead of having, you know, in these, in these low resource areas, for example, one of the projects we worked on was in, um, was in Africa where there's still a huge incidence of tuberculosis. Believe it or not, we don't, you know, we take it for granted in this country, but in other parts of the country, in Southeast Asia and Africa, um, they still have big problems with infectious disease and they don't have a lot of doctors on the ground. Right. So when you can start applying these um, remote platforms that allow somebody, you know, to take a picture, you know, uh, take an image and then have that channel through a piece of software to provide almost an instant um, diagnosis, that's pretty cool, right? Mm. Um, so so th those are neat things that are happening. AI is everywhere, but you know, where they're applying it to like real uh, social um, problems is I find to be very interesting, right? So, mm. so. That is actually powerful. I think healthcare is gonna be probably the most innovative uh, problem areas or industries in the next five to seven years because so many people and investors actually funneling money into companies who are looking to disrupt the, the industry in general. Oh yeah, it's huge. EdTech's another one. I spent a lot of time in uh, in higher ed and EdTech. It's another one where, um, you know, particularly in COVID, they've had major disruption in their business model. Um, you know, they, they've had to really accelerate the shift to virtual learning. In mm -hmm. fact, one of the things that was really interesting, the guys that started uh, Blackboard, which is which is the standard uh, learning management system for most universities. I don't know if you know that platform. Yeah, familiar with it. Blackboard? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the the uh, one of the founders just came out with a new platform that he's building off of Zoom, which has exploded in these times. 
but he he's he's creating like a much much better virtual classroom experience now mm. um directly dealing with what's happening now with COVID. so it's a very clumsy solution you know i get kids in, that are in school now and it's it's very um it's an asynchronous not to use too fancy a term but it, it's not like a real um uh, simulated experience when you're doing it online. You get to see one person at a time. It's hard to see the whole classroom. But uh, these guys are creating um, like a really um, almost like virtual classroom experience now on the uh, yeah. on the Zoom platform. That's exciting, right? That's a, that's a huge response to COVID. It's true. Um, it's true. And again, using AI to do that. Yeah, it's true. You know, the the I, I mean, we're kind of in the ed tech L and D space, and you're right. Like ed tech is another big one that you know. Personally, I'm super excited about. You know, for you, do you, do you for the entrepreneur out there who is having a tough time building a business through COVID? You know, what's your motivating words for them on how they can persevere during this moment? Well, I have to tell you, I mean, it's uh, it's easy to start a business now. I mean, the capital requirements are really low. Everything's, everything's, I mean, you, I'm sure you know this, everything's on demand. I mean, I don't, you know, I can find resources around the globe, <laughs> right? It's true. Um, so, I mean, if, if you have a good, and I, and I happen to be a recipient of um, business plans all week, every day of the week. So I see lots of ideas and, and, and they're really interesting. And what, what I find really fascinating is that most of these are being started by, you know, either uh, kids that, aren't in college or in college, many of them, and some that are just recently uh, graduating from, from mm -hmm. university. So people get started at a much younger age. Um, you know, they've got uh, accelerators, incubators, all kinds of resources. You know, everything's less expensive. So it's never been easier to actually try to energize an idea that you have, mm. um, right? I That's love that word, energize. Yeah. <laughs> Right. It's, it's one thing that I mean, I, I can remember back when I was in uh, graduate school, I was in a business program and uh, I took a, um, a small business entrepreneurial class and it was it was uh, led by somebody that never even graduated from college. And they built a uh, they, they built a discounted discount auto parts business from the ground up. And, uh, and and they were the lecturer in this class. And I'll never forget the thing that he said, he said in the classroom that always stuck with me. He said, he said, you know, there are loads and loads of ideas. He said, most die at the dinner table, most die at the dinner table. Right. Which means that, you know, most people, a lot of people have ideas. Very few people actually will invest the time to execute and try to make those things happen. Mm. Right. And that, that those are the entrepreneurs. I remember, you know, not not many years ago, I sent him a note and thanked him for that advice because it always stuck with me. And th this this again, this was somebody that didn't even have a college degree. He since 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 being very successful as an entrepreneur, got a bunch of honorary mm. degrees. But he was brilliant. He was a brilliant guy, had a lot of impact. Hmm. No, it's it's so true, man. Execution, even for, for us as we've been building our business, it's everything. And so many entrepreneurs fail to realize that. You know, Jonathan, like, I, I thank you so much for bringing your energy and wisdom to, to our show today. You know, if there are any books that you would share for our amazing community, 
to help them level up on their sales or how to gain revenue, or more importantly, how to build something that they that they um, can love. What are some of the books in your library? Because we see you got a, a bit of a library. Right. Here. <laughs> you want me to go back and grab one? <laughs> that you would offer our community to kind of really dive deep on to, to grow in their careers and, and entrepreneurial journey. Yeah, I mean, I've, I, I've read a lot of these books. Um, a lot of them tend to be sort of, uh, you know, repetitive. Uh, again, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give a shout out because I really think, you know, I'm, I'm very much aligned with the way he thinks about it. But I, I like Jim Keenan. Um, mm. I think if you are selling anything, you should read Gap Selling. Mm. Um, it, it's, you know, it, it's a problem-focused approach to selling as opposed to product. Everybody wants to talk about their product, but really, people only buy things when they have a problem that needs to be fixed. Wow. So. Um, I'm a, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of, uh, of that book in particular. Um, you know, I've read a lot of the other ones, you know, good to great crossing, crossing the chasm. Um, you know, uh, the five signs of a dysfunctional company. I mean, there, there are lots of good books out there. Um, but, uh, I'm a, I'm a big fan of gap selling. That, that's one I think that's 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 a requirement to me. It just does a really good job of synthesizing and bringing everything together in very sort of easy, you know, because most people don't like to read these books, right? It's easy to get your head around it and consume it in practical ways. So I, it's I true. It's true. I'm, I'm gonna have to check that one out for myself. I haven't read that one yet. Oh. So make sure, you, yeah, make sure you note that down, y'all. If you're tuning in and listening right now. Definitely check out Gap Selling. And who's it by again, Mr. Uh, Jim Keenan. Jim Keenan. K-E-E-N-A-N. Love it. Love it. Love it. He'll be okay. very happy when I post this and, and he sees it. I gave him a shout out. <laughs> You're making him money, man. Uh-huh. He's doing, he's doing fine without me. But, uh, I mean, I, I, again, I'm trying to be authentic here. I mean, it, it, it just resonates with me. It's kind of the way I've always looked at it myself. Um, you can see my musings on my uh, on my platform and blog. I've been writing for about ten or eleven years myself. Wow! And uh, yeah, I'm a student of of the game, and uh, I think if you want to be good at selling, and if you really, to me, selling is is really business, then you just really have to pay attention. You got to be introspective. You've got to really learn wh whatever market you're selling to. You better understand what they do. Inside and out, you better understand that job as well as they're doing it. That's the only way you're going to have a real conversation with somebody. No one's yeah. going to listen to some scripted, you know, canned message. Those days are gone. It's so true. It's so true. Much love to Mr. Welch, who's saying, I'm enjoying this discussion. Mr. Welch, we're enjoying your attention. Thank you so much for tuning in and joining us. And if you have any questions for Jonathan, be sure to reach out to him. He's super accessible on LinkedIn. Jonathan, it's been an honor having you on the show. Can we please have you back once you write your next book, maybe Gap Selling? Jonathan, <laughs> that would be an awesome book to read, man. Absolutely. <laughs> we would love to have you back, Jonathan. It's truly been an honor speaking with you, man. And, you know, I would love to have you. What's your powerful takeaway for our community, our guy community on, you know, how they can level up their, their sales? Yeah, just, um, it, it takes a big investment of time. It's, uh, Really invest in yourself. Um, whatever market you're selling into, study it. Read all the read all the trade journals. Um, do research. Talk to as many people as you can. Really, really 
invest um, the time to learn everything about the people you're selling to, what makes them tick, what they care about, you know, where the business is going. If you do that, you're going to be successful. It's not about what you're selling. It's about what they do and what they care about. Love it. Love it. Wisdom for Mr. Jonathan Brickman. Thank you so much, sir. Looking forward to having you on in a future episode. <laughs> that was awesome. Peace. Appreciate that you, Jonathan. That was great. Shout out to Mr. Brickman, who has blessed us with all kinds of sales and entrepreneurial wisdom. If you're looking to generate revenue, grow your business, and be killer at scale sales, talk to that guy because he's definitely an expert at it. And make sure to check out Jonathan's LinkedIn. He's super active on LinkedIn. And check out all of the word, all of the work that he's leading with Intel Pixel as well. Your dedicated source to procure medical image data. So make sure to check out Mr. Brink, Mr. Brickman's LinkedIn profile. I've shared it in the comments. With that said, if you are interested in being in the same position Mr. Brickman was just in on a future episode of God Live BDB Jam Session, show some love. UTFOW.com. We're the hottest and most consistent and most highly praised B2B jam session in the world. And shout out to Oakland as well. And also, we'd love to get your thoughts on some of our past episodes. What episodes have you watched in the past that you've really, really loved and you're like, please bring back on this guest? Let me know. Let us know. And we will definitely, definitely bring them back maybe sooner than you can think. So show some love at utfow.com and let's see what we can do for you with that said please check out guideapp.co sign up for early access beta we're working we're moving and more importantly we're grateful for our amazing guide community so if you want to be a part of our beta check out guideapp.co and sign up for early access on our list all right y'all with that said, much love to Oakland. If you are tuning in and you're in the building in Oakland, hope you're having a great day. Let us know what you're doing this lovely Wednesday or what you plan on doing this weekend. You might just come out to your neck of the woods. With that said, much love to everyone who's tuning in. And as always, peace, love, and abundance. Oh, oh, oh. and before I forget, bigblacktea.com. We're launching literally in a few days. So if you want some tea, especially growing these tough times, and after that debate yesterday, check out BigBlackTea.com. And most importantly, get you some harmony in your life. That's our loose leaf green tea. And if you are more so into the black tea, you're more you're more into the into the into the dark stuff. Check out Zen, which is pretty awesome as well. I love Zen. With that said, y'all, I want to cap you all off to the amazing Kirk Wallum and make me a believer. Let me know if you love these jams only on God Live BDB Jam Session. Peace, love, and abundance. Spirit of
Thank you.